John chapter 6 verse 63, Jesus said, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. A warm welcome to the refreshing word of Calvary Baptist Church. You are in for an uplifting time in God's word. Enjoy the message. Please join me as we pray and as we get our hearts ready to hear the word of God coming to you from the pulpit ministry of Calvary Baptist Church. Let us pray. Our dear God and Father, we are before you today thanking you for your goodness to us. We have every opportunity again to come before you to hear your word that brings direction, correction, energizes us, prepares us as we live in this world in view of your coming soon. Bless the reading and application of your word to our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name, Amen. My dear friend, I'm so happy you are able to join us today. We'll be looking at a topic, Inventory and the Christian. Christian Inventory. When I was a student, one of the things that came in handy for us during holidays was to go to a company that had a lot of manufacturing repairs going on, particularly their computer work. And they would employ students to take an inventory. It was amazing the type of work that we did. We would go into this stock room and we would be counting pins and clips and tapes and so many small, small, small things. Well, we were happy to earn the money. We were not too sure what they used those things for. But it was important for them enough to pay us. We said, are you taking the stock? Are you taking the inventory? We need it. You guys, be accurate, be accurate. Well, later on, we learned what they did with that. That's what they used in repairing their machines, in servicing their equipment, and all kinds of things that made that company very progressive and prosperous. It was important enough for them to engage us as students to work and be paid. And they chose university students that would not make any silly mistakes. Well, sometimes we did, but I mean, if you're asked to count things as a university student, you take it seriously and count. Because you don't want to be disgraced that you don't know what to do, how to count. So inventory, as the assets to do, can be defined as raw materials used in the production, as well as the goods produced that are available for sale. A company's inventory, we are told, represents one of the most important assets it has because it represents its primary source of revenue generation and the subsequent earnings for that company. So the company depended on it, whether they were stocks, whether the parts were there to repair their machines, to service their machines, to make their customers very happy. Incidentally, the Christian is also to take an inventory. But there are many, many times we do not do this. So we are not sure of how ready we are as Christians, how prepared we are to meet the challenges of the world, how we are in relation to 
our maker, our redeemer, and our friend, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit that lives within us, and the God who allows us to have day in and day out live in this world in readiness for his coming. Well, to help us do that, let's read a text from the book of Corinthians. We read that text often, but I'm afraid we do not take it very, very seriously. We only read this text when we are having the communion or the Lord's Supper. First Corinthians chapter 11, from verse 27 to 34. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 27 to 34. And I read, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment on himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we will not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment. And the rest I will order when I come. In context, this letter to the Corinthians was written by the Apostle Paul when he heard that this church he had started had a lot of good things, but they also had challenges. They had misunderstanding, they had problems, they had sinful behavior among them that they exhibited even when it came to having the Lord's Supper. In those days, and some churches still do that, the Lord's Supper is preceded by what they call the love feast. So people bring their food, their drink, and they eat and drink. And when they finish, just like they, we read in the Bible, Jesus had a meal with his disciples. And when they had finished, he took the bread, he took the cup, which were part of what they had eaten, and then shared it and said, this is my body, take it, eat it, this is my body, this is my blood, take it and drink it. So he instituted the Lord's table from the common meal that they had. So believers had what was called the agape meal. They ate food, they drank, and then shared fellowship. Now, the common practice was for all kinds of people to come with the food that they had, that bring and share. You bring your food, I bring my food. But in the church in Corinth, that simple practice became a time for discrimination. The rich would bring their rich food, you name it. Whatever their rich food was, whether it was jollof or uh, those foods you weren't eat in a restaurant, those names that you cannot pronounce, they bring them and they eat them. And they eat them with their friends. Then they would drink. They would drink drinks that uh, were high-quality drink, very expensive drink. Then when they finished, sometimes they would be over 
people who are drunk or they'll be drunk. Sometimes they'll eat too much. And so, instead of sharing fellowship with one another, instead of just eating the bread or the wache or this and that, and everybody enjoying, it became a time when people were saddened by their lack of means. All people came to brag and boast about what they had that others did not have. So the time of having the communion became a time of discrimination. And then they would go and eat and drink. So the Bible is telling them, you see, this is the time to show that you are one. You are fellows in a ship. You are one with Christ. So if you eat and drink, not descending the Lord's body, you are sinning. But if you examine yourself, see whether what you are doing is right, and judge it, then you'll be free. So I'm telling you this, you must have a standard by which you eat and drink, so that you will not be condemned. But the frightening part he said is this, but if any of you eat and drink in an unworthy manner, Without descending the Lord's body, something will happen. Verse 30. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep that die. For if we would judge ourselves, we won't be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. So the Lord judges us. Sometimes we are punished. Sometimes we sow corruption. We sow bad deeds. And we reap bad deeds. So what is the advice? Whoever wants to eat this bread and eat this cup must eat it in a worthy manner. Or as he puts it simply, let a man, let a woman examine himself and let him eat this bread and drink this cup in a worthy manner. Now that is give the background of what we are calling today the inventory of the Christian. Yes, as Christians, the Lord has saved us. As Christians, He has given you spiritual gifts. As Christians, He has filled us with the Spirit. As Christians, God enables us to be part of a fellowship. God enables you to play a role as a husband, as a wife, as a child as an ambassador, as a worker, as a market woman, as a soldier, as a police man or woman. There are many things that God asks you and I to do, depending on our giftedness, our station in life. Be a prayer warrior. Maybe, let me say, you, even, you may, pardon me, be disabled by you. You have an ability that God has given you. So we are responsible for the things that God has given us, and as long as we live, as long as we breathe, as long as we are in this world, we are to live a life worthy of our calling. Now, I have taken an inventory. There are four areas that we'll be looking at, and I'm sure we'll have to do a second part of this. So we take about the inventory, we look at how we live, examine your living. 
Then secondly, examine our lives. How do you live? What's your life like? Third, examine your love. And fourthly, examine your learning. So four areas, at least four areas that we'll look at. Examine your living. Examine your life. Examine your love. And examine your learning. So let's start today by examining your living. How are you living? And three things straight away. I'm taking this outline from what they call the Christian life outlines. How do we examine our living? What should be the type of living we must have? Our lifestyle. I would say, first, it must be a sacred living. It must be a sincere living. It must be a scriptural living. It must be a spiritual living. What do we mean by that? Sincere living. Examine your living. First John 1 6 says, But if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Don't be a hypocrite. The word hypocrite, we are told, comes from Greek drama, where people play a role. So a man can put on a mask and look like a woman and be playing a part of a woman in a play. That's the Greek understanding of a hypocrite. It is in a play. But there are some of us, it is our lifestyle. You are not good, you pretend to be good. You do the wrong things, and yet you say different things. So, you are a hypocrite. You are playing games. Practice what you preach. Live right, both before God and man. Sincere living is exactly what First John tells us. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in Darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. How do we practice the truth? Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Don't do one thing in public and another one in private. Be sincere. If you make a mistake, accept it. Say, Lord, forgive me. I won't do it again. If you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, do the right thing. There are some who live life and live our lives as hypocrites. We are one thing in church, we are another thing at work. Our Sunday is a holy day. Our Monday is a holiday from church. Practice what you preach. Live right before God. Because in God, there's nothing. He sees you. If you say you have fellowship with Him and walk in darkness, we lie. We do not practice the truth. So that is His word to us. First John 1 6. Because God knows us. He sees us. So examine your living. Take an inventory of how you are living. Let the word of God convict you. The word of God is like a mirror. You look yourself in the mirror and see whether you have combed your hair well, whether your tie is straight, whether your lipstick is right, whether your powder in the face is right. What does it look like? And if it doesn't look right, correct it. Then let it be not only a sincere living, but a sacred living. Second Corinthians 7.1 Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, affecting holiness in the fear of God. We are to have a sacred living, living to please God. Cleanse yourself. You see, we are not to only pray for holiness, Lord, make me holy. No. 
but we are to practice holiness. An unclean Christian brings shame and sorrow to God. We live in this world, and because we live in this world, sometimes we hear things, we say things, we think things. And if the Holy Spirit lives within you, he'll convict you sometimes that what you are, what you have heard, what you have said, what you are thinking is not correct. It's not right. What you just repeated, the gossip, is not right. It's wrong. What you just took is not yours. What you just said, what you just texted, what you just forwarded is not right. What are you to do? Cleanse yourself. Practice sacred living. Look at it again. Therefore, having these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. Filthiness of flesh and spirit. Flesh, what you are thinking, what you are saying. Is it right? Filthiness. A filthiness of the spirit. That thing that is inside you. The jealousy, the envy, the anger, the covetousness, the lust, those things that are inside you. Is it right? And the good thing is this. The Spirit of God will convict you of some of these things. And he's saying, cleanse yourself from all of these things. Perfecting holiness in the fear of God. You see, I like watching animals, and I guess you do too. You may, you may have to look at them. You see, look at a bird. A bird is beaten by the rain, and then they'll go and stand somewhere or hang somewhere, and you see them fluffing their wings until they get dry. Or take the domestic animal, a cat or a dog. Something happens, and that cat is smeared with something with oil, with dirt, with mud. Unless it is a pig, that's a different story. You see that they do everything possible to keep themselves or to make themselves clean. Cleanse yourself. We are not animals. If you are a child of God, the Spirit of God wants you. See, it wants you. It tells you. Your conscience pricks you. The Bible pricks you. God speaks to you through his word, through the preaching, through the teaching of his word. And you have to cleanse yourself. Don't pray, Lord, make me holy. Don't make me this. No. Yes, he can. When you have sinned, when you have sinned, confess. Say, God, help me. I won't do it again. And this must be daily. Because in every day that we live, we hear things, we see things, we think things. God has given us, giving us eyes to see. It's not everything we see that is edifying. It's not everything we hear that is encouraging. It's not everything we hear and see that we ought to repeat. It's not everything that is sent to us that is the truth. And so how do we live? Sacred living, cleanse yourself from all these impurities. The more you live, we say, Lord, Make me pure. Let me be like you. Let me be like Jesus. Another mark of taking inventories, ask yourself, am I having a scriptural living? Is it according to the book? Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. What does that mean? 
we may say that we do not live by the Ten Commandments. There are, there are Ten Commandments. And our Jewish brothers said, oh, we don't have Ten Commandments. Because if we say we have only Ten Commandments, you fall into trouble. So they said they have only 613 Commandments. Because there are many, many things that God wants you to do, many things that he doesn't want you to do. Just take them. That you are to live according to scripture. Let me give a very simple rule. I saw a man recently, he had a car. And I was looking at the car. And that car looks like an old car. And when I drew close to it, it was registered for T. T, if you are, if you love cars and you watch the, the way they number cars, you see that there's T. QRST, UVW, XYZ, before they started the current one. So that car must be a 20, 23, 20, 24, plus about 6 or 7 or 8. It's almost a 30-year-old vehicle. How can a 30-year-old vehicle be working and looking so good? Oh, he did an inventory. He was obeying the rules of the manufacturer. He said, yes, change the belt. Change the oil, change the filter, change this, clean this, polish it. So he loved the car. And when he bought it, he wanted to see how far it can go. And therefore, he did all those things. Scriptural living means living according to the rules of God. Our love of God is measured by how we obey him. Love your neighbor as yourself. Do this, don't do that. Walk with me, rest. Take good account of yourself. Do all of these things. Jesus said it clearly. If you love me, keep my commandments. There are some who have heard that, oh, the Lord has come to set us free. So they think they are free to do anything that they want to do. And including even this sacred living or sincere living. So you do everything. Oh, I'm a child of God. I'm free. You say anything. You do anything. You eat anything. You do just live anyhow. And you wonder why sometimes you are sick, why you are not strong enough, because you are not obeying the laws of your Lord. You are not obeying the laws of nature. You are not doing the right things. Scriptural living. Remember, love always obeys. Love obeys. Love says, yes, Lord, yes, Lord. If you said it, I'll do it. If you want me to go east, I'll go east. Want me to go north, I'll go north. Want me to go south, I'll go south. Beloved, today we are looking at inventory and the Christian. Are you examining your living? Is this sincere? Is this sacred? Is this scriptural? Let's take the last one. Spiritual living. Spiritual living. We live in the flesh. We are citizens of heaven. But we live on earth. We are spiritual bodies. We have the flesh. So how do you balance it? Spiritual living. Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2. The psalmist says, As the deer pants for the water bruise, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? When we talk about spiritual living, there should be a hunger and a thirst for God. 
a test that only God can satisfy. Christ said it in what is called the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Spiritual living means you want God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. You read his word. You pray to him. You practice the Christian disciplines. And the world in which we live, you also know that it belongs to God. So the kind of choices that you make, the kind of things that you hear, you take an inventory of them. And sometimes it grips you. The wars, the rumors of war, the, the degradation of the environment, and all the sinful behavior, the lying, the corruption, the filth, the sickness, the poverty, the broken down hospital, the schools that are not functioning, just the disorder in this world. Say, oh Lord God Almighty. So you are praying for those who have this power to do the right things, those who are doing the wrong things, to do the right thing. You, those who have influence over, that there should be order in your life, in their lives. The deer pants for water. After you struggle, after you are hot, what do you need? Water to cool your soul. It means you are restless because you want only the will of God to be done. There should be a hunger and thirst for God. Your prayer should be, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And the question is, is that how I live? Or my desire in this world is governed by politics, sports, entertainment, all these other things. Yes, they are all for us to enjoy, but it's your priority right. If it is done by your party, it is correct. If it is done by your tribe, it is correct. If the bribe comes to you, it is correct. If you take somebody's thing wrongly, it is correct. No, but the standard is not you. It is God's standard. Spiritual living means you thirst and hunger for God. And God's standard should be what categorizes, categorizes you. You are marked by God's standard. And as long as you live, say, Lord, the work that I do, the things that I say, wherever I go, let me be your ambassador. I'm not saying you should live as if you are a monk living in the forest, living in the desert. But let this be your internal mechanism that all will give glory and honor to God. That's what the apostle says. Examine yourself. Examine yourself how you live in church, how you live at home, how you live here and there, what you are doing. So the, the opportunity that the Christian has particularly in Corinth, was when they had a communion. And many of our churches have communion. Examine yourself. Take an inventory. Am I living a sincere life, sacred life, scriptural life, spiritual life? Incidentally, some also just drink even the communion as if it were a magical thing that will cleanse you from every impurity. Yes, it can, if only you confess your sin to God and you are his child walking with him. Friends, I've just been able to touch on one today. An inventory of your life is important. Just like the farmer will be sure, I've feed for my animals. Just like the driver will be sure, I've oil, fuel in my car. Just like the engineer will be sure, 
have all my equipment. God wants you to be sure as his living child that you are living for him before he comes soon. If not, you dedicate your life to him. Lord, fill me. Lord, cleanse me. Lord, anoint me. Search me, O God, and see if my life is pleasing to you. I dedicate my life and my times to you. Fill me to overflowing. Let my life please you. Friend, the Lord bless you and keep you and strengthen you as you take an inventory of your life for God's fullest blessings to be yours, to go the long haul and do what he has called you to do. Until next week, this is Pastor Fred saying, stay blessed. Press on to victory. Amen. You just heard the radio broadcast from Calvary Baptist Church, headed by Reverend Dr. Fred Egbe. We trust you've been blessed. Do join us on Sunny FM every Saturday from 8 to 8.30 p.m. for an awesome time in the Word of God. Locate us right opposite the Mr. Biggs restaurant in Adabraka near the Kwame Nkrumah Interchange. As well, we're in Shiashi across the motorway from the Accra Mall. In Oibi, we're near the Cares Valley Event Center at the Goyal Filling Station. Our Amasamine campus is on the Danbridge Montessori School premises near the Amasamine Government Hospital. Again, we're in Botiano, opposite the Botiano Polyclinic. Otherwise, follow us on Facebook at Calvary Baptist Church GH and on YouTube at Calvary Baptist Church TV or email us via calvarybaptistghana at yahoo.com. You can also call us on 024-369-0485 or 0302-231-854 or reach us on WhatsApp number 0200-181680. God bless you.